Have you ever hit your head and began feeling as if your day-to-day life seemed more challenging? Chances are you might be experiencing a brain injury. The invisible nature of this injury makes it difficult to identify and can impact multiple aspects of our life. In Canada, it is estimated that half of our population has little or no understanding of what a brain injury is or the vast symptomology that can occur as a result. It is because of this lack of understanding that has led to this initiative, uniting three leading organizations in the sector on a mission to educate, support, and spread awareness on the many facets of concussion recovery. The Ontario Brain Injury Association, the Heads Up Concussion Advocacy Network, and the former Ontario Neurotrauma Foundation have put together this multimedia series to provide more context and understanding to the various experiences of concussions and traumatic brain injuries. Throughout the course of this series, there will be group discussions led by industry experts to help facilitate a supportive environment for individuals who have suffered from brain injuries while bringing evidence-based information to the forefront of the conversation. As a result, this podcast has been broken down into six different aspects related to the recovery process. In this discussion, we look at returning to sport and overcoming the stigma of receiving a concussion or traumatic brain injury bringing together athletes from various sport backgrounds who have competed at different levels to share their experience about the role stigma plays throughout the recovery process and the impact these invisible injuries have on the identity of a high-performing individual. This conversation is facilitated by Connor Massimo, a physiotherapist and co-founder of Pulse Physiotherapy based in Peterborough, Ontario. And now... Here's a quick message from the executive directors responsible for putting this project together. My name is Ruth Wilcock and I'm the executive director of the Ontario Brain Injury Association. I want to welcome you to our multimedia podcast series. The mission of OBI is to enhance the lives of Ontarians living with the effects of acquired brain injury through education, awareness, and support. We are so excited to have partnered with Heads Up Concussion Advocacy Network and the former Ontario Neurotrauma Foundation to publish this multimedia podcast series. And I'm Ryan Sutton, the Executive Director of the Heads Up Concussion Advocacy Network. My team and I are so excited to be sharing this series with all of you, and we genuinely hope it will inspire you to have more open conversations about brain injuries with the people in your life. This series is proof that there is willingness within the sector to hear from people directly affected by the injury. And we hope it provides you with a deeper understanding of how complex these injuries are and what you can do to navigate through the recovery process. We are very proud to have put this collaborative podcast series together and hope you enjoy this episode on returning to sport. All right, so let's get started. Uh, welcome back to the uh, the next episode of the podcast. Uh, really excited for this one. Uh, super excited to be joined by a group of great athletes who all have experience with concussion. I'll start by introducing myself. My name's Connor Massimo. I'm a physiotherapist and clinic owner of Pulse Physiotherapy, which is in Peterborough, Ontario, Canada. And uh, my, my experience with concussion is uh, I, I've had one or two uh, in my younger years playing hockey, fortunately none recently, and, and all that I fully recovered from. Um, but today my role is kind of to facilitate the, the conversation amongst these athletes and uh, try to share some experiences that they've had 
around uh, around concussion and, and hopefully help a few people today. Um, so uh, without any further ado, we'll get right into uh, some introductions from, from the athletes that we have today. Uh, Brent, we'll start with you. Well, uh, thanks for having me, guys. Uh, my name is Brent Barrett, and I am I'm a former athlete, even though I like to consider myself an athlete still. Um, I played football. Uh, I went to college and or I went to university in the, the early 2000s. And uh, I've had my bell rung a few times. So uh, connecting with the community here has been great, just in terms of getting a little bit of uh, information out there for, for the young athletes. Um, I've had a few major concussions. I think I've had uh, more low-grade concussions. And uh, from what I understand with the research, those are the ones to really look out for. Uh, when I played football, it was a different game. Um, now the rules have been tailored a little bit to uh, to minimize the brain um, injuries. But uh, back in the day, there was spearing and, you know, headfirst tackling and stuff like that. And it was just so much easier to slip through the cracks, which is, I know it happened a few times with me and it's happened uh, a lot of times with other athletes because especially in football, a lot of, a lot of football athletes see injury as a form of weakness so if it's um, an invisible injury like a head injury or concussion usually the athlete will go out of their way to hide it and I know that I did that right and that's uh it's something that's a little bit harder to do now but um in my business and where I work uh, I work at Redline Athletics Canada we're a sports performance facility um we take concussions very seriously and we have an on-site physio uh, that works with baseline concussion testing just so that we can um, try to uh, reach out to the athletes that may have slipped through the cracks or may not want their coaches to know what's happening or, or whatever. Uh, we try to provide a service for them so that uh, there's always uh, some way for people to get help uh, if they have brain injuries or uh, suffer the uh, the symptoms. Awesome. Thanks, Brent. Uh, yeah, I mean, super important to to notice these things early on in our in our younger athletes, especially uh, who maybe don't have experience with it early on. Uh, looking forward to hearing more of your experiences further. Uh, Molly? Hi, everybody. Thanks for having me. Um, my name is Molly Tissenbaum. I was a hockey player for most of my life. Like Brent, I was an athlete. I still think of myself as an athlete. Um, I was a goalie played with the Toronto Arrows and then I played in university. I went to school at Harvard. Um, I had three pretty serious concussions, um, two in high school and one in college. Um, one, the, the last one was a car accident. Actually, it wasn't even a, a sports related concussion, but I've been an advocate for brain and mental health since struggling through my second concussion when I was, uh, I was probably 14. Um, and realizing the implications of poor decision making and not having enough information, um, and how those ramifications impacted my life. Um, so I've, I've worked with the, the Ontario legislature with Rowan's Law. I've worked with the Parachute Foundation. I've been with the Concussion Legacy Foundation doing advocacy work. I'm just a, a big believer that the more that we talk about our experiences, the more that, you know, kids who are feeling like they may not have the tools or, or the vocabulary to speak up, we'll be able to, to make those changes and, and see that there is, you know, there's a light at the end of the tunnel and it's not all just, you know, brain damage and, and suffering. Awesome. Thanks, Molly. Yes. I mean, it's super important to, to advocate. And it sounds like you're on 
every board that exists related to concussions. So uh, glad to have you today. Uh, Natalie? Hey, uh, yeah, my name is Natalie Allport. I'm a former national team snowboard athlete. So as you can imagine, there's a lot of huge crashes in that sport. Surprisingly, I think I actually probably got a couple more concussions in my background of playing hockey before I transitioned into snowboarding, uh, which usually surprises people when I tell them that because they assume I've smashed my head more, more times snowboarding. Um, definitely had a lot of concussions that went under the radar, especially at the time. You know, when, when you're a young snowboarder and you're so passionate about your sport, you have something broken that's visible to people, then your coaches can tell you, hey, you got to sit on the sidelines. But often when you have some of these head injuries and they might not be as major that people can see the symptoms externally, you try to hide them because you don't want to take the season off. You don't want to take that time off and um, you just don't have the the right decision making uh, to, to kind of just make that choice for yourself and look at the longevity because you're so focused in the moment on that next thing. So now I advocate a lot, especially about mental health, because it's a big part of why I stepped away. Uh, when I stepped away from sport, I when I went to a therapist, we did all the testing to see even if my mental health was related to those concussions. I was so thankful that um, I passed those things. But with my background, he said, like, you should not be continuing on and try to get, you know, no more head hits. So that's a big part of, you know, just making sure I'm safe now, especially when I do go snowboarding for fun and advocating for mental health, whether it's related or unrelated to concussions and brain injury. Awesome. Thanks, Natalie. Yeah, I mean, you hear that so often that it's so much easier to talk about an injury that, that you can see visibly, right? And uh, so we'll chat further about that today for sure. Uh, and last but not least, Haley. Yeah, thanks for having me. Uh, my name is Haley Lang, and I am currently in university. And I got my most severe concussion uh, just in high school and playing non-contact flag football. Um, but my primary sport is triathlon. And recently, I just transferred over into CrossFit. So I'm kind of doing a little bit of both. Um, but with university, I play ultimate frisbee as well. So kind of just all over cardio, uh, which is kind of fun. But I got my concussion. And like most athletes, you stand up, you're ready to go throw me back into the field, throw me back into the game. Um, so decided to walk home. Everything was great. And uh, a couple months later, physio and doctors and everything like that said, no problem, return to sport. And that probably was not the best case scenario at that time. Got through a season of volleyball with high school and then everything kind of slid right back down, which we kind of see more cases than not, unfortunately. So uh, the last couple of years of high school were not as great as I had hoped them to be. Um, ended up kind of slipping into deeper uh, mental health issues and thankfully kind of risen uh, from that recently. But it's definitely something that I want to continue the conversation about, especially still being uh, a young athlete and still in university. There's a lot uh, of individuals and athletes that I feel like we can connect with uh, in and around my age. So. Absolutely. Yeah. Thanks for that. I think, uh, obviously as, as most of us, uh, most of you have mentioned at some point there, the mental health aspect becomes a huge piece of concussion recovery, uh, and one that can definitely slip through the cracks if we're not careful. So, uh, that's super important. Uh, so that's, that's everyone. That's our crew for today. I'm excited to chat with you guys further because everyone's got kind of a diverse background and, uh, and, and experience with concussions. So I'm excited for this chat. Uh, so first off, uh, anyone can hop in on this one. Any, anyone that wants to hop in to answer first, let, let's talk a little bit about 
uh, stigma, especially if uh, for specifically if some of the the team sport athletes, uh, stigma around trying to potentially hide your symptoms uh, from from coaches or or teammates specifically, uh, and how that might have affected your decision to to come forward or not. Uh, any anyone want to hop in there? I'll I'll hop in. Uh, I'm I'm from an individual sport background, but I can remember being in the practice sessions uh, at a World Cup. And I went up and I hit my head on, on a jump and it wasn't that bad, but it was bad enough that I told my coaches I needed to like go inside and see how I feel. Um, so I started feeling like very headachy, a little bit dizzy. So I went back up and I told them about it and, um, they, they checked, you know, my eyes and did kind of those basic symptom checks. And they said like, Natalie, like you need to practice your run. This is the last day of practice. This competition, like, really matters for making sure that you're on the national team again that next season. And I said, no, like I feel headachy. And uh, I was scared to keep speaking further. They were thinking that it was just kind of in my head. And I was, you know, making excuses for not wanting to uh, maybe being scared of trying, you know, a more difficult trick or trying to, you know, put my, my run together, which is obviously has more risk of trying the harder tricks and, and putting it down. And, uh, I was trying to tell them like, no, I think something's wrong. And they were trying to tell me, no, like your eyes seem fine. You know, you might have a headache, but you either have a major confession or no confession at all. And that was really difficult for me. And it, it kind of worried me moving forward. If, you know, could I say anything? Uh, there definitely was a stigma there because you do think because people can't see it and it's not visible. Uh, do they think that maybe it's just something in your head? You're scared. You don't want to perform. You're just not mentally there that day. Um, but, you know, knowing how it feels, it's hard to express it and kind of convey that message to people who might have a different understanding or think differently than you or have pressure riding on them as coaches to see you perform. Yeah, super, super common. Thanks for sharing that, Natalie. It's like uh, I work with a, a young uh, junior lacrosse team, and uh, that, that's what I try to tell them is it's in your brain, but it's it's not in your head, right? So like, there's not this in your head mentality. It's literally your brain. And if you have a headache and you were just hitting the head, yeah, we can't be getting right back out there. We've got to evaluate this further and, and at least be sitting out today and probably longer uh, to treat this uh, in more of a safe manner. Uh, but but definitely not easy to do in, in the time when, when coaches and teammates are, are pushing you or, or maybe not believing you, for sure. Uh, anyone else with a, with a similar experience? Well, I think that uh, I think Natalie hit it on the head. Um, you have so many athletes that go through a head injury or a brain injury and they keep it to themselves because it's like the injury is seen as weakness. So the minute that you admit to um, a medical staff or a coaching staff that you have an issue and that something's wrong, your commitment comes into question and your dedication to the team comes into question. Or, I mean, in Natalie's case, she's an individual um, athlete, but it's still very similar um, in football. It's like if you, especially at the time, it's like if you admit to any kind of vulnerability, you know, you're you're looked at as like, what's wrong with Brent? Like, why is you know why is Brent you know being that way or or whatever it is? And there's a whole there's a whole concept of putting the team before yourself and putting the group goal before your own and. It's, I mean, it's a valuable lesson to learn, but not if you're having cognitive issues when you retire. And that's kind of why it needs to change. 
Yeah, I I'm gonna jump in on that, Brent, because when when I was in in college, we had this this saying, "Team first. and I love the ethos and the idea of putting the team above everything when it comes to making decisions and training hard and and bringing people together. But with brain injuries, and one of the things that I've said, you know, since day one with talking about concussions is you can't put the team first if you're not all there. And that realization for me came in college um, that it wasn't that I was so much afraid that, you know, the coaches didn't understand or that, you know, I was going to be judged by my teammates. I was my own harshest critic and I was worried about letting my team down, like you said. And this idea that I was suddenly not team first because I couldn't necessarily articulate what I was going through and not everybody was going to get it. And I think there's this tough line that, that athletes are taught to walk between you have to be all in for the team, but if you're not all in for yourself too, you can't be there for your team in any capacity, especially when it comes to a brain injury. It's the equivalent of trying to, trying to play with a broken arm, right? Like you could, you can pretend and your teammates might think, yeah, you're toughing it out. But if you're not all there for yourself, you can't be all there for your team. Yeah, super valuable. I think that that's a huge take home message, right? Is um, you're not going to be a good teammate or player uh, or group member, uh, leader, whatever whatever role it is that you have on your team, if if you're not feeling well yourself or if you're not functioning at your at the top of your ability. Uh, so you got to take care of yourself first in order to help the team in the long run. But but e- again, easier said than done in the moment. Uh, I'm going to spin off that question a little bit. Uh, Haley, I'm going to throw this one over to you. Uh, if I know it was a while back now, you said you were, you were a teenager in high school. Um, what was the information you were given? Do you recall, uh, after, after your first concussion, did, did you see any health professional, uh, or, or, uh, how did that, how did that process go for you? Yeah, I remember, um, I remember getting home, um, and basically my, coach at that time just say said okay things seem to be okay you're still coherent at this point um after the game so walked home he said just don't have any caffeine and don't sleep and I was like all right sounds good to me um and then I remember that night I've never I've had a lot of injuries and I've never been in that much pain um especially coming from the brain so uh rushed up to the hospital no tests Um, And I remember the doctor just basically saying at that point, you have a severe concussion, don't do anything. And I was very confused at that point. I mean, I think I was 15. Um, So I'm already don't have my brain. (laughs) You give an athlete the um, advice to just don't do anything. I was super confused at that point. So then managed to get into physio and things seemed to improve at that point. But it was still as uh, the other athletes in this chat were saying too, you get to a point where you just, you're, you're an athlete, you want to go back to your sport as soon as possible. So even if you don't mean to like hide your injury or hide your, um, how you feel about it, you kind of do it subconsciously anyways. So as I got to a certain point and I told the physiotherapist, I guess I was ready to go, but I wasn't fully. And again, there wasn't a whole lot of education around it so all the tests and everything weren't done before I needed to go back to sport and back to sport I went and back to bed I went after that so yeah an unfortunately common uh story that that we hear too often uh first off the first thing that you mentioned just that 
that that guidance of absolute rest initially, which which we now know in the research is not the most helpful approach initially. Uh, people should stay active, try to not flare up their symptoms, stay below that threshold, but but should definitely stay active. Uh, and the other thing I hear from athletes is they were told to rest, but not given any guideline on how long. So I'll see someone in the clinic three weeks later, and they've been fully off school or off of work, uh, you know, not trying to avoid screens, these things that they've heard or read, and have no further direction, and they've missed a big window of healing time. Uh, anyone else with similar experience? Yeah, I, I remember, I think like my hockey concussions when I was a kid weren't really diagnosed. But my first diagnosed one, I think I was 13 or 14. I was at this local snowboard competition, nothing major. I wasn't competing at any high level at that time and uh, just decided to do something kind of stupid and landed on my back, got whiplash back and completely knocked myself out. And so I remember ski patrol came. I said I had knocked myself out. They checked me over. They said, oh, you seem fine. I went right back up with my friends to the top of the slopes and my mom could see that if people were talking to me, I wasn't even able to move my neck. I was like moving my whole body. Um, so after she was like, no, like something is wrong. So I went back to the ski patrol and I said, yeah, we're pretty sure that you're concussed. Um, at the time, the ski patrol who were on site just seemed to be very dismissive. Um, but once you actually went into the office, you got better, uh, service essentially. And then, so we went to the hospital and exactly the same. They just said, you know, rest, don't look at a screen, don't watch TV. I think at the time, maybe I just had a little flip phone. So wasn't much uh, texting or watching Netflix or anything at that time. Uh, but they even were saying, you know, also maybe don't don't sleep right away, but then also don't look at bright lights. And if your roof is all white and you have like your windows open, it's very bright. And I'm like, well, what can I do if you don't want me to close my eyes, but you don't want me to stare at anything light? And so I just felt so confused and not sure like what I could possibly do. And especially someone with such high energy and like ADHD, I was like, how can you tell me just to, you know, lay here in my bed, but not look and focus at anything. And um, there was just really absolutely no guidance and no follow up process at all. Because at that time, I didn't have a coach or anything like that. So it was kind of just, you know, go back to school, see how I feel. Um, I wish that I had a lot more knowledge about it, other than just rest was really the protocol. Yeah, that, that kind of wait and see approach that, that often doesn't get us to where, where, where we need to be. Uh, or, or maybe it's just too delayed compared to what it should be based on, on what we now know about concussions. Again, we hear that super, super often as well. Uh, just pulling a piece out of that, Natalie, I'm going to throw it over to you, Molly. Uh, Natalie had mentioned, um, you know, how do I get on with my life early on after a concussion when, when my identity is based around being an athlete? What are your thoughts on that and how did that affect you in, in your uh, sports career? Yeah, the, the identity pieces that and tied to, to the mental health thing to me are, are the two sort of, um, they're the two underlying demons that, that what, even when we do talk about brain injuries that often get sort of left at the wayside. But with, with my last concussion in particular, I had to withdraw from school for a year because I was, so not in any place that I could be a student, let alone a student athlete. So at a, you know, at a most basic level, I went from being a class of 2016 student to a class of 2017 student. And that was before I had any sort of, you know, any thought of, am I going to be able to return to the hockey team? Am I going to even be able to get back to school and finish? So there was that level of just like, 
right off the bat, there's something that changed about who I was. But beyond that, it was, I'm a bookworm. I love to read. Couldn't do that for a really long time. I love music. Couldn't listen to loud music for a long time. There's this process of what, what I've talked about at length is finding your new normal. And for somebody like me and like, I'm, you know, I'm sure all the athletes on, on the call here, like there's this type A personality that we all sort of have of wanting to be the best and wanting to continue to improve. And so readjusting and learning that your new normal doesn't mean you're a failure or it doesn't mean you're giving up and it doesn't like none of those things. Um, that was a really important realization for me that your new normal can still be for me. I can still graduate from Harvard. I can still be a four year varsity athlete. I can still get a job, live on my own. There are things that I can do even with the, you know, the trouble with word association and, you know, some of the other symptoms that, that still linger to this day. Um, so one of the things that, that I always try and, and help people who are going through, whether it's concussions or post concussion syndrome to, to really understand is finding your new normal is about reclaiming whatever pieces of your identity you feel are most important now rather than trying to get back to whatever you thought your old self was, because that's just not a fair game to play when you're dealing with a, with a brain injury. Yeah. A huge point there. I think that it's always so tough. Athletes live their lives in comparison anyway, uh, whether it's always with themselves or with their teammates or with their opponents and to all of a sudden try to switch that off can be really challenging. Um, and, and, and speaking to that, Brent, I'm going to throw it over to you. Uh, Coming from a from a sport like uh, football and uh, and and not football of now but football of uh, past years, um, how, how did the identity piece impact you uh, in that kind of a sport? Well, it's it's so interesting. I was I was listening to Molly talk about this. Um, for me, um, the journey of personal growth came from being injured because you know when you're when you're a younger guy and and you're thinking, yeah, I'm a, I'm a football player, you know, I'm an alpha male, I'm a, you know, I'm a conqueror and all this stuff. When you get hurt and you can't, when you get hurt, whether it be a brain injury or you know, a head injury or whatever it is, you you can't do what you did before and you can't go as hard in the way that you did before. You have to really embrace the injury and you have to embrace the symptoms and you have to embrace how you feel in order to go through the process of healing. So um, I think that really <laughs> injuries was injuries were the thing that, that really caused me to, to grow because once I started getting concussed and getting all these low grade concussions and getting, you know, getting all these ill feelings, like that's when I had to really, you know, change the way that I lifted or change what I was doing at the time to allow the recovery. Right. Yeah, absolutely. A huge piece of, of the identity and, uh, and also, in that style of sport where it is that that kind of alpha personality all the time driving the just egos competing with egos uh can be really challenging to admit uh that that you're struggling with something especially not something that's visible to all, to all your teammates and coaches and trainers right starting the conversation about concussions and traumatic brain injuries is the first step to educating today's youth on these invisible injuries 
This is why we have created an online interactive presentation format that facilitates open conversations tailored specifically for schools and sport organizations. Using our unique blend of relatable lived experience and formal education tools, we have developed group discussions that outline a holistic understanding of concussions and the unpredictable, individualized nature of the recovery process. Our previous presentations have fueled our passion to shift the way athletes and students perceive the injury. By having these open conversations with schools and sport organizations, we can continue our mission to challenge the stigma and provide lived experience education on concussions and traumatic brain injuries. Learn more today by visiting www.headsupcan.ca slash speaking dash engagements. And now back to the episode. Um, I'm going to switch gears a little bit with, with the crew here, but uh, anyone can hop in on this one. Um, if you think about in your mind what your most significant concussion was, whatever that means to you, how long did it take you to return to sport after that, uh, what, what you would consider to be your, your worst concussion or the one that bothered you the most or lasted the longest? How long did it take you to get back to sport? The m- concussion that kind of set me out the longest, I returned to sport quite quickly. But I think a key point would be return to sport when you're like 90% or better. And I returned to sport when I was less than 50. Um, so when I finally got to return to triathlon, it was close to eight months, closer to a year um, after that. And it was mentally, as we've all been saying, it's mentally exhausting because for myself, I had to get through whether it was in the pool or in open water um, and my head's down. I'm, I'm turning my neck in the water on cycling. My heart rate's up and running. Same thing, the pounding it was so mentally challenging to realize that I couldn't do what I was doing beforehand at the extent that I was doing it at. And that took me longer, I think, than the actual concussion process, recovery process for the concussion. Um, And I'm still working through that today, where I'll go on some runs, and I feel absolutely great. And then I go on some other runs, and I don't feel as great. And I think that's kind of the struggling part. the most for it, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Fair enough. Thank you for that. Uh, how about Natalie? How, how long did it take you to get back to sport after, after a, a bad one? Yeah, but probably the worst one was the one that I mentioned, uh, that happened in, in high school. And it's crazy. Like I'm thinking back of how long I rested and honestly it was probably like 10, 14 days, maybe. And it blows my mind because then even once I was on the national team, I had a friend who, uh, she spent like two seasons recovering from a concussion and just watching her not being able to snowboard for like two full seasons and thinking through, wow, I had this, this pretty bad concussion that impacted. I remember trying to write exams after and just feeling absolutely awful. But at, at the time, even, even my parents, they took concussions very seriously, but all of the, the knowledge out there was kind of like, you know, just rest completely for like 10 days and then, you know, go about your life. And I was like, Oh, I feel fine. Like, let me go back, which, obviously wasn't really, really the case. Fair. Uh, I'll spin it off. Uh, Molly, if, if you think similarly with, with your most significant one, whatever that means to you, what was your return to sport testing like? Because I've, I've noticed that mentioned a lot that there has been an absence of that with, with the four of you. Yeah, I, I just want to 
point out what Haley was saying about your your most significant and and the time that it took. I I also think you know returning to play when you're ready versus when you want to. Um, my second concussion, I did the the typical hockey bro thing, and I decided I needed to play two weeks later, and I was fine, and I went out and I started um, that game, and I ended up not actually recovering to the fullest extent of my life, meaning my personality, my schoolwork and athletics until at least six months later. I was back to practicing and feeling almost normal a month later, but my schoolwork, I went from, you know, being a relatively smart, outgoing um, student to having tests that were like in the forties and fifties. And my teacher's were looking at me like, what did you, what did you do? Like, you're, you're not, this isn't you. And so that one took me a solid six months before I felt like myself again, holistically. Um, and I think that's one of the things that, that often gets lost in the shuffle with concussions when we're talking about student athletes is the, the whole, the whole person, right? There, it's not just your sport and it's not just your school. Um, I know for me with that concussion in particular, definitely with the third one when I was out for a year, um, there was a significant personality change in me. I had a much shorter fuse. I was snappy with people, um, probably as a result of, you know, there's a ton of pent up energy because you're not out there exercising like you're normal. You're not out seeing your friends and practicing and doing what your normal life felt like. But either way, I think the, the recovery time to the full person is something that often gets overlooked. Um, with my third concussion, it was the longest in terms of like the actual length of time I was out of school for, for a full year. Um, I started working probably six or seven months after the car accident. And I would say it was probably eight, eight or nine months before I was back on the ice. So from a, a time, like a, a time perspective, that was the, the longest, but, um, the, the return to, to normal personhood is is the that's the the there isn't there unfortunately isn't a roadmap but it takes a really long yeah it can for sure and uh and it, the the odd part about concussion recovery is you know in the same individual they can have a really long recovery after a concussion and seemingly um you, you would expect based on you know, kind of the history of concussions and, and them becoming easier to sustain after you've had them um, that, that it might always take longer and longer. And then, and, you know, we'll see athletes who, who then make a full recovery after a, another concussion after a month when it took them six months the first time. Um, so it can be really up in the air with timelines for sure. Um, Brent, if we go to you, uh, if you think about your most significant concussion and, uh, and timelines, and then, uh, what, what was your, was there any testing to decide when you wanted to go back or was that just, uh, I feel good to go. Here we go. There was no testing. Um, I'm sure if I if I talked about my experience a little bit more, uh, let coaches know what was happening. I'm sure there would have been more testing. But uh, again, for me, it was at a time where you suck it up and you don't talk about it. So I'd have the headaches. I'd have you know the the three week long headache and all this stuff. And pretty much, you just I would just I deal with it. You know, um, I what I have realized as I've gotten older and speaking to athletes in situations like this is that when my mental health was suffering and when I was going through stuff emotionally um, during these times, 
it was more than likely because I was recovering from that head injury as well. And that's something that I didn't necessarily piece together at the time. And now it makes all the sense in the world. Sorry, Connor. I, I forgot that that was the part of the question that you no asked problem. that I didn't get to. So in terms of testing, with my second concussion when I was in high school, I I knew at that point that there was something that was wrong sort of lingering. So it was after I had come back and played, season was over. And I went and I saw, um, I went to some concussion clinic and I, they put me through the whole workup, balance test, the scat test, the thing that you fill out, the computer test with the shapes and the lines. And the therapist who I saw said to me and my dad, are you sure that she's concussed? Because this test doesn't indicate that there's anything wrong with her brain. And my dad looked at me and like, I don't know. And what we found out since then with those sorts of tests is they're not necessarily indicative of the the multitude of problems that can happen in the brain. And one of the things that that I remember like it was yesterday with the the scat test is the the shapes and the lines where you have to pick the the rotating shape shapes that match the I w- could never do that. So my baseline scat test showed that I had like zero recollection of any of those things. And all the other things were okay. So when you go and you test again, when you've been hit in the head, there's some of that, like, is your baseline actually accurate in terms of like what it's showing you from a change perspective? Um, the thing that for me was most indicative of when I was actually injured versus when I was healing was the balance test. So they had us stand on um, like two or three inch thick foam pads with your feet in a bunch of different positions, eyes closed, eyes open. And I was a goalie. I was a hockey player. So balance was something that was relatively important and that I never struggled with. And all of a sudden our trainers were like, okay, stand with your feet, straight in the line and close your eyes. And all of a sudden I was like falling on the floor. And that was the one test that I felt was actually helpful in showing me what was going on with my brain, because that was not something that I'd ever struggled with before. Um, so that was it was it's an interesting with the scat test and the you know the surveys that you fill out there there's there are all sorts of ways to cheat the system but the things it's it's sometimes the the low tech option that really shows what what's going on for sure and i think that's uh a super intuitive point that the pre-injury testing isn't always valid uh, to the point now where, where it's not even being recommended in most cases, there are still, um, leagues that, that, that swear by it. And, and they all, they always do their, um, preseason tests to have something to compare it to. Um, but just like you mentioned, um, people have, uh, different challenges with all of those different tests at baseline. Um, and, and it's like, are we even testing a baseline? Cause how many times has this person been concussed already potentially? Um, and, and a lot of times now what we have to go on is, is what that person is reporting to us, right? Us being, being the healthcare practitioner and that person being the athlete. What do you feel like? Yes, we can do some balance tests. We can do some screening for, for vestibular balance issues. Uh, we can look at some other testing based on what's your heart rate tolerance. What do you feel like when we start to get your heart rate up into these upper ranges? Um, but it's going to come down to what that athlete reports at the end of the day. Um, and, and that's where it's so challenging as a healthcare practitioner to decide, is this person ready? Um, and, and it's really depending a lot on the athlete 
honestly portraying what they're feeling to you. Uh, and we've already discussed why that's sometimes not the case, right? People want to get back to play. There's pressure to get back to play. Um, and it's not always that, that honest self-report of what their symptoms truly are. What about, uh, what about you, Natalie, if you think about uh, testing? Did you have any formal testing for getting back after any of your concussions? Yeah, I mean, just kind of what I shared with the, the high school one, which was pretty, you know, basic, but there was no testing to get back. Um, there was during my time on the national team, we had, we went through so many different physios. We would often see different physios at different competitions, depending where we were traveling. They come to different events. We would go back to Whistler. There might be a physio we'd see in the next season. It'd be someone different. Same with strength and conditioning coaches. There were seasons we went through like four different, different people. Um, so there was never any sort of kind of formal or baseline tests, like some of the ones that you guys have spoken about. Um, and similarly, like I had a physio back home and she had suggested, Hey, maybe we should do one of these baseline tests because then when you come back from the end of the season, we could do something, but it was just too difficult being that I was always gone. So yeah, there wasn't anything too formal other than, than that one that I got at the, the world cup where my coaches just kind of like looked at my eyes and did a couple of things. But, um, as I saw one of my friends later on, uh, get, you know, go through two seasons of having to deal with concussions, I did notice. That she was, she went through a lot of different things with protocol and not passing protocol and still having to, to stay off competition. Um, but unfortunately, yeah, I didn't have as many of those things other than when I did go to therapy afterwards and trying to test and see, uh, later on what are those long-term effects that may still be lingering. Yeah. Thanks. That's often the, the after the fact issue, right? You've already returned. You're realizing things are not normal. I'm not feeling myself. Maybe I need more investigation after all. That often comes after the season uh, when you finally, as the athlete, kind of admit to yourself that uh, I've been pushing through things that aren't aren't good uh, and, and I probably need to dial it back and actually get assessed uh, properly at this point, right? Um, who was your biggest supporter through having your concussions in your life? Who was, who was that person to you that that believed you the whole time, knew, knew that you were struggling and helped you the most, kind of getting back to to the person that you are now? In my experience, a lot of my strongest uh, advocates were people that really were supporting out of their own goodwill. Uh, maybe it would be uh, a therapist that I knew outside of the program. It might be a therapist that I knew from a previous program uh, where I could contact them and I can ask them questions. Um, I found that those were usually the people that served to be my greatest allies. Awesome. Uh, what about you, Molly? Uh, if you had to pick a person that, that had your back all the time, who was that? Yeah. Outside of, outside of my family, um, one of my, one of my best friends, um, from high school, she's still one of my best friends to, to this day. She was a defenseman on my team on a number of different teams in high school. And, um, we were on the same sort of path and trajectory to be recruited. Um, she actually got concussed when we were uh, in grade 11. And that's the really big recruiting year for college sports. And so she missed out on a huge opportunity to play in college. And so when I ended up having to take that year off during college, she was one of the people who not only understood what I was going through physically, what I was dealing with emotionally, but she also understood who I who I was underneath all of the pain and what I was dealing with. And, you know, she was able to help me through 
the, you know, I'm never going to play again phase and, you know, my life is over, you know, that sort of initial shock of having to withdraw from everything that I had been working for my whole life. She was really the the sort of emotional backbone that I could go to outside my family, because obviously my parents, my brother, they, they wanted to, to be there and support me and they, and they did, but there's, um, there's always, uh, you know, that, that little voice in your head that, you know, maybe they're, they're laying it on because they want you to just, you know, feel better. And I knew that she was going to be completely honest with me and she was going to help me both push myself in terms of like when I started to, to heal and get better. But she was also having, you know, gone through it. She was also smart enough to say, wait a second. I don't think that's a great idea. Um, so having somebody who, who gets it without any sort of agenda, I think is, is a really important thing for, for anybody who's healing. For sure. And I think that can be super valuable to have a teammate who, who has that experience. Uh, cause often we hear, we hear the opposite in the clinic where, uh, it's the teammates that are being the toughest on, on the person that's not playing. Uh, and often it's because those teammates have never had a concussion and don't know how serious and, and how awful you can actually feel with it um so having someone in in the same uh, dressing room as you that can kind of sympathize with what you're feeling and know that even though you you look yourself you're you're not feeling yourself and you're not acting or or your personality has changed you you know things are are different um and and advocating on your behalf and giving you that that kind of support is is super helpful uh from a teammate for sure um not natalie uh what about you Who, who had your back through the process yeah, um, my parents and then as well as my aunt, uh, she lives on the West Coast, but you know, we, we frequently FaceTime and she's someone who always, since I was a young athlete, advocated for me to just kind of like a yin and yang type relationship where uh, I have more of the type A personality and she is trying to always balance me up. And so she was very cognizant of just holistic health and always checking in and really advocating for taking more time off. Um, resting, recovering, and all those types of things. So she was definitely someone who, anytime I had any sort of concussion or any sort of injury, was a really good support system. And then my parents were always just never pushing me to to go back. My dad grew up playing uh, football, hockey, and in the era where there was tons of concussions. And I think he told me he used to play full contact basketball, which sounds like an unsafe thing to do. Um, so he tells me he, he's sure that he had a lot of very undiagnosed concussions and then having read up and especially as my brother and I got into sports, reading up on the stats and things like that, just to be a, a better parent to us in sports, he started taking it more seriously. So both of them, as well as my aunt, uh, were great to, to chat with because it was a lot harder in an individual sport to have anyone because even your teammates on, on say, the Canadian team, they're still your competitors as well. Absolutely. Yeah. It's, uh, it's an, a, a different kind of sport compared to some of the other athletes here, right? Where, uh, they're on your team in terms of the national program, but then you're going head to head against each other, right? So you, you hope that everyone has each other's back, but, uh, when it comes down to it, your family for sure will, uh, and, and that's, that's a great support. And, uh, I think when I see people in the clinic, that, that can be a challenge where, um, maybe, maybe their family doesn't have a sport background or doesn't have any knowledge of concussion at all. Uh, and it could be a spouse or it could be a, a mother or father or brother or sister. And they start to be the ones that are thinking, what, you know, I don't, I don't really know that you're injured. Like, are you putting this on a little bit? Uh, and, and that can be really unfortunate when it's coming from your own family. 
so, so for Natalie to, to hear from you that your family had your back and was super supportive, that's always encouraging. And that's what I try to do as, as, a, as a physio is, is really communicate with the family give them resources that if they don't have the knowledge or the understanding of what a concussion truly is and things to look out for in their family member as well along the way. Whether you have sustained a concussion, a moderate to severe brain injury, or are a family member or friend to someone who has sustained a brain injury, we want you to know that you are not alone. Obaya is here to help. The Abaya Helpline provides confidential, emotional support for anyone who needs a caring, compassionate, and non-judgmental listening ear. The Helpline can also provide information about brain injury, advocacy, and make appropriate community referrals to callers. If you need help, please reach out today at 1-800-263-5404. And now back to the episode. A few more questions for you guys. This info has been great. I think this is going to be a super helpful chat and uh, definitely going to help a lot of people. A couple more questions, though. Uh, I'm going to start back with you, Molly. Um, if you if you could go back and uh, talk to yourself based on what you know now uh, after your first concussion, right? So it's it's the day after your first concussion. What are a couple of things you would uh, tell yourself uh, at that point uh, based on what you know now? It's a, it's a really it's a really good question. And this is one of those things that I have being a, a rather cerebral person. I've struggled with when people have asked me this because it's one of those things where I feel like, you know, if I had known would I have done things differently and that can quickly spiral. But um, the thing that I I would tell that kid is not only is your brain the center of everything that you are and everything that you hope to be, but you can't be a good teammate, goalie, student, daughter, friend, anything if you're sacrificing the thing that runs everything. And that's your brain. And I don't think that at that time, anything else would have gotten through to me except the idea that all you're doing by pushing through and covering up is you're hurting your team. That's the thing that I think would have, could have, might have, I don't know, gotten through because the rest of it, um, you know, when you're in it, it doesn't seem like it's that big a deal. Um, but knowing that I wasn't actually helping my team, that I was hurting the team might have been a thing that would have changed how I dealt with my own brain injury. Yeah. I mean, that's very intuitive, right? Knowing that it's hard to actually answer that question properly because you know so much more now than you did then uh, but you also know that yourself at the time all you cared about was playing that sport and, and getting back out there uh, so it's it's tough but I think that that was a great answer I think one of the hardest things was I had exams at school after and I remember sitting there writing them and realizing that I probably could have gotten a pass to write them later um, and I just remember really struggling and just wondering like, wow, this is like, I didn't think anything of it when it happened and then returning to snowboarding and going outside and playing sports. And it was in that moment, sitting down and writing that test that I realized the significance of it and how much it actually was affecting me. And I remember since that moment on, just having some, uh, just being more cognizant of those, those effects and, uh, 
and later on years later, like just kind of sharing with my parents about that and saying, Hey, like, I, I think that I had some long-term effects from, from what happened there. And so looking back, I think I wish that I'd taken more time. And, um, of course, like anyone else, I think there's just so much more information now that just wasn't there then. So even if we would have taken the time and would have, um, you know, done all the things that they had, then the information then wasn't even up to what it is now. So it's, um, it's always hard to say uh, what you would have done differently uh, with the different information that's still progressing. For sure. No, I think that's, uh, that's totally fair. We we know so much more than we did even five years ago. So if, if we're going back longer than that, it, it's a whole different ballgame in terms of what that, uh, especially that initial information that, that you were supposed to give to an athlete was that, you know, we talked about it earlier, right? You, you don't let them sleep through the night. Make sure you're constantly waking them up. No, absolutely nothing fun. Make sure you go hide under a blanket in like a cocoon in your bed and, and don't come out until you feel normal. Uh, that was kind of the recommendation. And uh, and now we know a lot more than that and know that that really uh, very likely delays healing. So uh, people people need to try to get back to themselves as quickly as possible uh, with, without pushing it too quickly, but, uh, but definitely not uh, hiding in a blanket cocoon for sure. Brent, uh, if, if you could go back and, and talk to your old uh, football self, what would you say? The number one thing that I would say to myself is that the whole invincibility thing is a lie. You know, uh, you try to you try to be tough and you try to out tough everything and you just realize that it's all a facade. And when you get older, everybody's suffering from it because they all did the same thing. And they're all beat up now. So I, I would say um, to a younger athlete or to younger me, take care of yourself. If something's wrong, admit it to yourself first and then go through the necessary channels to get it fixed rather than trying to be tougher than the injury. Because it's just it just doesn't make any sense. For sure. If, if I if I throw another one back at you there, uh, what do you think some of the long term consequences are like in yourself, if you don't mind sharing? I would say sometimes there's, there's, there's like the cognitive lag. Sometimes you feel a little foggy. Sometimes your, your, your concentration isn't quite, you know, how you'd like it to be. I would say that's a, that's a huge thing. Um, I'd say as well, the mental health, like I, I can't say for sure if I'm really, you know, feeling a certain way because of what's going on or is it, or is it, uh, resulting in, you know, one of the bangs that I that I took earlier on in life. Absolutely. No, thanks for sharing that. Is anyone else comfortable sharing that? Uh, what they feel like their long term effects were of their earlier life concussions? Yeah, I can I can jump in on this one because the, the, the post concussion syndrome is, is something that I've not only spoken about on, on podcasts, but I've written about it. Um, it's it's one of those things with regards to finding my new normal when the pressure and the atmosphere changes, like when it's about to rain, I get a headache. So 24 hours before it rains, I know that it's going to rain without looking at the weather um, and living in Boston. Uh, it happens a lot. So there's a lot of um, sort of headache management that has to happen. The other thing that I have continuous continued to suffer with, um, it's gotten better in the last, you know, it's been eight eight years since my last concussion, seven years. Um, the word association that I struggled with when I went back to college, which was part of the reason that if you, you know, if anybody talked to my professors from my sophomore year, the word association thing was really slow for me. 
that has continued to linger where I, I know what I want to say, but I can't always find the right word. And that is something that I still deal with. Um, it gets worse when I'm either stressed or tired. Um, but the, those are the two that, you know, to this day, I'm still, I still find myself going, yep, there it is. And it, it creeps up all the time when I'm working, when I'm, you know, hanging out with my friends. It's one of those things that it's all too tangible to be able to, you know, just put it behind you. But it's also not something that is, um, keeping me from, from living my life and being happy and recovering and working towards feeling a hundred percent. Yeah. And I mean, just from listening to you talk tonight, you can tell that you've, you've done a lot of work on, on yourself and, and trying to actually think through these processes that have happened over the years and, and really trying to take a deep dive into, into what you need to do to, to progress in a positive direction. Uh, and I think unfortunately, uh, n- not everyone has come to that place yet. Right. And, and, uh, and a lot of people are still in the midst of, of the darker days and still looking for someone to, to help them get out of it for sure. Uh, but, but definitely so happy to hear that you're, that you're progressing well and, and you, you were able to get on with school and, and on and on with the rest of your life. That, that's amazing. Um, any, anyone else feel like sharing how, how it's affecting them more, more recently if they feel like it still is? Yeah. I, I mean, for me, I find especially having dealt with other mental health issues, it's hard with those things to dis- decipher where they first stemmed from. And that's the part I find the most frustrating because, you know, if you tear your ACL and it never really recovers, it's pretty easy to be like, hey, I was squatting this before and now I can't. Like I have pain when I do that. Um, for me, like I grew up, uh, I was a gifted, uh, a gifted in academics. Um, you know, school kind of came easy. And then I remember after that concussion and then writing that exam, and things kind of going downhill when it came to school. Now, it was hard for me to say whether that somewhat had to do with ADHD, also had to do with uh, increased focus in sport and just not caring as much in school. Um, and so for me, I still feel things that I'm like, is this part of my ADHD where um, I do a lot of speaking events, a lot of podcasts, and sometimes I lose track in my head of you know things that are happening. And then I think back and I start remembering all the concussions that I've had. And I'm like, could it have been all these things? And it just, I feel like I'm, I'll never truly know the the cause there. And I think that's one of the most frustrating things. But so definitely some some lingering symptoms to know if it was from the concussions directly or other things is, it's, I mean, hard to know for sure. Yeah, I think that's one of the um, be, being in on the healthcare side of things. Uh, and, and being fortunate myself to not have any lingering uh, concussion symptoms from from the couple that I had uh, growing up, that's one of the toughest pieces to to try to work through with with a with a patient in the clinic. Is that how do you know what's still a concussion symptom, and, and how do you know what's just me? And 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 I think the biggest piece of advice I try to give is just that you can't compare yourself to your old self because you you wouldn't have been your old self at this point anyway like you've had all these different life experiences you've grown up you you've done more you've done more school you've traveled the world more whatever it may be you can't compare yourself to your pre-concussion self because you're you're a different person anyway uh and, and that doesn't always help everyone but i think it it can give some peace of mind to some athletes that i have to kind of drop this idea of i i can't wait to get back to the old me 
because um, there, there is no old me, right? It's you're always progressing and you're always growing. And, uh, and that can be a really challenging piece to, uh, to come to terms with. But, but I think it sounds like you guys are all on track and, and working through that in, in your own ways, which I think is, is super powerful and helpful. One of the one of the other things that when Natalie was just talking about, you know, you thinking about where things come from and is this normal um, that I dealt with with all of my concussions is the hyper awareness that you start to develop for what you're feeling in your head. Talk about getting in your own head. Not only are you trying to gauge is this is this normal for a concussion? Is it normal for what my concussion feels like? Is it normal for what I should be feeling on this day at this time after doing this amount? Like the the number of the number of ways you can slice what you're going through when you're trying to recover from a brain injury is enough to make anybody's head hurt whether you have a brain injury or not and one of the things that when I was on that year off with my last concussion that I again I worked with every manner of therapist known to humankind um one of the things that one of the therapists started to try and get me to understand while he was working on my neck was you're allowing yourself to be to exist only in your brain and everything that you think you feel is going to be mag, it's going to be magnified because you're so focused on, I need to heal my brain. And when I started to think about, okay, yes, I need to heal my brain and I'm not going to start ignoring it, but what are all of the other things in my life that I can start recovering with? Right. Can I get my, some of my core strength back? Can I get some of my, you know, my walking and my gait balanced again? What are all of the other things that may be contributing to? you know, some of the neck pain, some of the jaw pain, something going on in my head. Once you start focusing and putting your focus on other things, it becomes a little bit easier to turn the volume down on the, oh my God, is this a concussion or is it something else? And it's a really hard thing to do by yourself, but that's where having somebody who's a sounding board who knows you as a person, whether it's concussed or not, can be really helpful in figuring out and how to work through that, like that almost paranoia that you feel with anything that goes on in your brain. Yeah. And I think that's, that's super important. It comes back to what I, I, I kind of often think about as kind of a goal setting based on functional goals, things that you want to be able to do and trying to switch your focus away from what's happening in your brain or what's happening inside of you and start to shift it towards things that you want to be able to do again. And what are some kind of tangible steps that we can take to start moving in that direction and try to shift that focus towards those goals. Uh, and those things that are going to be what bring you joy and kind of value in your life again, right? So again, I think, uh, yeah, you've, you've definitely worked through, through some of these things over the years. Uh, okay. I'm just going to open it up to the floor for uh, a final little piece before we go. So anyone uh, that wants to hop in in any order here, um, if you think back to now everything that you know and, and all that you learned and all the concussions that you've suffered, what would be one helpful tip that you could give to someone that's never had a concussion? So th this isn't you now. This is someone new, right? So this is uh, this is the 14-year-old snowboarder, not related to you, no relation, Brent. This is uh, this is the pee wee football player, right? Who's uh, who's just been taking these knocks to the head in practice all year. Um, someone hop in and just let me know what are you going to tell that kid, and uh, and how could that be helpful? I'll say. Uh... First thing I would do is uh, I tell the kid to drink water, drink lots of water. Um, hydration is a big thing. Um, <laughs> it's so good. I don't know if, if you guys are just listening to the pod right now. First of all, everyone's crushing water. 
Uh, but Brent has about uh, 800 bottles of water right behind him. So he is well hydrated for sure. Yeah. We uh we're we're part of uh we're part of a nonprofit organization called Athletic Eatery, and um, one of our our biggest campaigns um, for athletic support because that's our thing is uh is called the Hydration Initiative, and we are basically trying to normalize the concept of drinking water, and and not other stuff like water, right? So we have some high quality um, alkaline water for athletes, and that is what I'm telling all these kids. Is drink water. I mean, it doesn't mean you're not going to get a concussion, but um, it lowers the chances a little bit, and it it's it's better. It, it's better for your 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 brain health if you you keep that water up. So that's what I would say first and foremost. Yeah, I love it. I mean, hydration and nutrition so valuable to to all athletics, and I think uh, recovering from any injury, but but especially a brain injury, can, can be super valuable piece that often gets uh, left off. Uh, and anyone else, one piece of advice to uh, to a teenager who has no experience in this world? I think that I would say like sport might be what's most important to you right now in your entire world, but it will end for everybody. And so think about that, because I know at the time your parents can tell you all they want. Like there's life after sport and you don't want to ruin, you know, your brain health for when that happens, whenever it does happen, whether you make it to the Olympics or to pro sports or not, um, there's going to be a time when it ends. And uh, as a kid, it's very easy to sacrifice some of those long-term things. I think you see it with teenagers in a multitude of ways, but especially in sport. And so I think that's what I would say is just think about the long-term effects and just make sure that if you want to have longevity in sport and outside of sport, that you take care of your health now. Such a valuable point. And uh one that, as you mentioned, is not easy to uh, to get across to a teenage mind uh, when all they're worried about is the next game and how they're going to get their head feeling back to normal so that they can get back out there. Uh, but yes, if, if we only had a little bit of foresight as, uh, as a 14-year-old. Uh, anyone else want to chime in? Final thought? Yeah, I I think about this one a lot too. Because my, my brother was also an athlete, but he never had any diagnosed concussions. And I think the thing that I would want to, again, tell any 14 year old hockey player, whether they're playing men's or women's and body checking, no body checking, whatever it is, that being a good teammate means taking care of your teammates holistically. If you notice something is wrong about your teammate, it's on you to speak up and advocate for them because you would want them to do the same for you. And taking care of yourself and respecting yourself and your teammates enough to be willing to have those conversations. Um, it's something that I wish um, someone had told us when we, when I was, again, when I was a freshman in high school and suffering through my first, my first and second concussions that having people who you can rely on and trust in those situations and feeling like you can advocate for them conversely um I mean, I had, I had teammates in college who we, we all knew there was concussion, you know, there were concussion symptoms. There was definitely concussion and we needed to win. So we all just shut up and let everybody play. And I don't think that that being a good teammate, those are, those are the moments in my career that I look back on and I, I'm most ashamed because I know what happens when you ignore those things. So I think regardless of the age, taking care of and being a good teammate is is more than, you know, goal scoring and, and assists. 
Yeah, super, super important point and not an easy one to address. Uh, when you know that teammate wants to be playing and the rest of the team wants them to play and to, to, to speak up is a challenge. But uh, as you know now with, with the concussion, long-lasting symptoms that can, that can occur, uh, it's, just, it's the right thing to do and, and, and more, more education to these young kids that, that these repercussions can be long-lasting I think will be very valuable. Super helpful, right? Again, be a good teammate, right? To these young kids out there, we, we've got one brain and it's the one that's in our skull currently. And if it's an injured brain, it's not, not operating at its full capacity. Uh, not only are you not going to be able to play to your best and whatever that means, um, but you're not going to be able to help your team win and help your team succeed if you're not at your best. So take the time you need right now, fully heal your brain. Take the appropriate steps, see the appropriate providers, get the appropriate testing and have a plan to come back safely and uh, and with the knowledge that you need to make these decisions and, and to realize that they're lifelong decisions that you're making at a young age. Uh, so I think we'll wrap it there, everyone. I, I just wanted to say thanks to everyone. Thanks, Molly, Natalie, Brent and Haley. There's a great chat. Uh, I wasn't sure what to expect coming in, but but I, I've learned a lot. I think it's I love talking to athletes about their experiences with different types of injuries. And I think it's super valuable for, for especially young people that maybe have just had their first concussion and, and, and feel like they're alone in this, to know that they're not alone and, and to see what it's like for people that have, have lived through this for another decade or so afterward. Uh, and, and to kind of think back and, and chat with themselves at a younger age, I think can be super valuable. Uh, so thanks again to everyone. Uh, just wanted to shout out, we've got the next episode of the podcast coming up is going to be with Dr. Leslie Rattan. She's a neuropsychologist. Uh, and that episode is going to be all about how to support someone who has just suffered a concussion and, and what are some things that you could do to help them in their recovery and, and be a positive influence in their life. So thanks again, everyone. And uh, thanks for listening.